you're worshiping your children right now, you might ask them, what are some of the rules in your house? What are the things you can't do? Or that you're supposed to do and you get in trouble if you don't? Sometimes it can feel like there are a lot of rules. My daughter keeps asking, what if I forget? and I tell her not to do things. Fair. There are a lot of rules in life. In this story, someone wanted to know what the most important rule was. In Jesus' time, people argued over which rule was most important. One of the elders He's one of the older, really wise people who was bent over with age and wisdom, heard Jesus teaching his followers. And the elder thought to himself, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And the elder leaned on his cane and scratched his white beard and said, you seem very wise. the most important rule of all. Jesus said, there are two. Just two. The first is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul. And the second is to love everyone as much as you love yourself. Love everyone as much as you love yourself. The elder nodded. Correct. The greatest gift we can give is to love God and to love each other. The end. I wonder how you can love God this week. And even more, I wonder how you can love the other people in your house. Maybe talk about that now or after the service. What are ways we can love each other? In our story for today, Jesus tells us to keep his commandment. His commandment is so simple. Love God. Love your neighbor. Listen now to the word of God. It comes from John chapter 14. Verses 15 to 21. I'll give you a second to find that in your Bible if you've got one nearby. John 14, verses 15 to 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will send you another companion who will be with you forever. And this companion is the spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees nor recognizes it. You know the spirit, because it lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will live too. 
And on that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, loves them. Whoever loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Glory to God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We pick up today exactly where we left off last week. Jesus is still talking to his disciples about his impending death. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to leave them. But, he says, I will not leave you alone. My presence is still going to be with you in some way. And that was what the disciples so desperately needed to hear in their grief and their fear. And not only the disciples, but also the community that wrote the Gospel of John. See, the Gospel of John was written a hundred years after Jesus was born something around there, 90 to 110 years after Jesus was born. So the people in that community that wrote the Gospel of John had never met Jesus. They had stories of him passed down, but they hadn't walked the dusty road. They needed assurance that he was with them, even so. And some scholars think that they lived in Turkey, far away from the central cluster of disciples in Jerusalem. They were isolated. They were marooned. They were alone. And they were afraid of persecution on all sides. They were afraid and alone. And Jesus promises them a companion. And they clung to these words. God will send you a companion who will be with you. We almost always think of this companion as the Holy Spirit, and I think that's right. But this word is notoriously hard to translate. In Greek, it's paraclete, which means come alongside. It can be translated as an advocate, and sometimes it's translated as a counselor, and sometimes it's translated as a comforter, or a helper, or a friend, or a companion. We could go on and on and on. The translators just can't seem to make up their minds. Can't pin down the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of this word. You simply can't pin down the Holy Spirit. It breaks through all of our words and our categories and our boxes. The Spirit is the side of God that is completely beyond our logic, our system, our will. If you have faith that you really struggle to put into words, if you've had experiences that just don't seem to quite fit in the box, it's not a deficit on your part. It means you've been touched by the Spirit. The Spirit is no respecter of boundaries and categories. I think everyone has experiences of the Spirit, whether they call them that or not. It's the sense that there is something more. It's a sense of overarching mystery 
the sense of liveliness within us, the sense of being in the flow, being connected with everyone and everything, if only for an instant. That presence that intercedes and allows us to let go and admit our powerlessness and find freedom in that. Spirit is our comforter, our companion, the giver of peace that passes understanding. And I believe everybody has experiences of the Spirit. This passage says the world doesn't recognize the Spirit, which I take to mean that we have different ways of naming these experiences. Scripture says that the Spirit is poured out on all flesh. All flesh. Some of us use this language for it, and some of us don't. But the Spirit blows where it will and is poured out on all flesh. There is the promise of a companion, a comforter, for all of us, no matter what. Come what may. Spirit is yours. Come what may. The Spirit is not just pretty sunsets and warm fuzzies. The Spirit is there. Come what may. A friend of mine had a two-year period of just really intense suffering. I won't go into all the gory details, but suffice to say, Almost every area of his life turned upside down and was in despair. And reflecting on that time in his life and on this passage, my friend said, During that time, I wasn't looking for a God who could fix everything. I was looking for a presence bigger than myself who knew something so that I wouldn't be alone. I was looking for a presence bigger than myself who knew what it was to suffer so that I wouldn't be alone. My friend said, that to me is the Holy Spirit. My friend's right. Spirit is the companion not just on the good days but on our very hardest darkest nights as well. The spirit of Jesus who knows what it is to suffer and walks through that with us so that we are not alone. We are never alone. There is a companion with us. The spirit is present with us in the hardest moments of our lives. That's what the community that wrote this gospel experienced. In their fear and their aloneness, the Spirit was their companion, their comforter, their friend, their guide. And the Spirit is that for us right now, too. We are all weathering the same storm, but we are weathering it in separate boats. And that is part of what is so hard about right now. We are disconnected, we are isolated, we are separated. And yet the promise is, we are not alone. 
in death. There is a comfort, a companion who is with us all. Who is with us all. Who the Spirit shows us most plainly through community. That's in this passage all the way through, but it is so easy to miss, almost impossible to see in English, because we don't have a second-person pronoun. Stick with me on this grammar stuff. There's not going to be a lot of it. We don't have a second-person plural. We have you, meaning singular. And then when we're being grammatically correct and we want to say you, plural, we use the same word, you. We use shortcuts sometimes, like y'all, which I think is a brilliant invention of the South. <laughs> the Greek does have a second-person plural, and it is throughout this passage. If y'all love me, y'all keep my commandments, then I'll send y'all the comforter, the companion, and it will be with y'all, and I will be with y'all, and you all will be in me, and I will be in you. So love each other. Tell y'all. Love each other. Sometimes our experiences of the Spirit feel highly individual and private. But the Spirit isn't given to us individually. It's a gift to y'all. To all y'all, as we would say community, where we accompany each other, and the Spirit is present in that company, and that's true right now. This is such a paradoxical time. We accompany one another by staying away from one another. Who would have ever guessed? We accompany each other by keeping our distance. We accompany one another by subordinating our desires to the needs of the most vulnerable in our community. And the Spirit is present in that. You love me, you'll keep my commandments. And in the Gospel of John, the commandment is startlingly simple. Jesus says, I give you a new command. Love each other as I've loved you. Y'all love each other. Just that simple and just that hard. And that's what we're called to do right now. To love each other through distance, through space, by subordinating our needs and desires to the needs of the community at large through patience and waiting. Spirit is our companion and is made manifest in our love for one another. You are not alone. The Spirit is with us. Amen.